0: luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush
1: care
2: How are you doing your other podcast at the moment? Are you doing it remotely or are you still kind of going in?
1: We live pretty close to each other, so we, we hang out on each other's like porches, basically, outside. And just record outdoors? Yeah, we, we, I have a, a few different uh, very long microphone cables <laughs> that we drag, <laughs> drag through like windows to get outside. Man, it's hard to imagine that happening a year ago.
2: You would have thought you were crazy if you would seen you outside. Kind I, of... I
1: know. <laughs>
2: yeah. I had, uh, Jeff was on a couple weeks ago, maybe now, but yeah, it was good. Nice guy. He's great. I just saw him yesterday. Do you still leave a photo at his
1: every time you go around to his house? Uh, no, but <laughs> I, you know, once, maybe once the pandemic is over, I'll start kicking that up again. I, I, he, he lives in LA now close to me and, uh, I think he's like they have more more space than they had before and they have basically like a, a guest room that seems like it's it's being relegated to all of the things I've ever got him with my face on it so i'm excited for for people to stay at his house whenever they do to have to sleep in a room with like a giant flag of my face and a <laughs> painting of me that i made a painting of me that i had an artist make in in, in central park you know all that good stuff
2: you do a lot of self portraits. You, you do paint quite frequently, right? Yeah,
1: the past like 2 years I started getting into painting, I guess. Yeah.
2: I enjoy your paintings of animals smoking or thank advertising
1: cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
2: What's the what's the best animal to sell cigarettes?
1: Uh, apparently it's raccoons. Like I've uh, raccoons are the most popular like the if I post a raccoon smoking a cigarette, it sells faster than any other animal.
2: <laughs> do I don't smoke? know
1: why, but I do not. No. You don't drink either, right? I do not, yeah. But you're
2: a big fan of nanny steak, which is a Scottish non alcoholic beverage. Yeah,
1: yeah. I do I do I, I do like that.
2: I hadn't heard of it. How did you kind of discover that?
1: Um I was on tour over there with a guy uh, named Mark McCabe, uh, like a, a songwriter. He told me about it. He, he, I mean, he knew that I liked non-alcoholic beer, and, and he, he just kind of told me about it and told me the story of it, and I always thought that was such a funny story.
2: Was the... The kind of being into non alcoholic craft beers, was that a carryover from when you used to drink? Were you quite into craft beers and that kind of just carried you kind of wanted to keep that tradition up or
1: it was more just when I quit drinking I I you know, I still had you know, all the same friends and everything and I would kind of go to the same bars and stuff. I wasn't really a huge drinker and I wasn't like a person that would constantly went to bars, but I still had like a social life that I did that I didn't really want to when you quit drinking, like, you don't really want to talk about it. So I I would, you know, if I was at a bar, I would just get a non-alcoholic beer and scratch off the label and just kind of carry on. So nobody would kind of talk to me about it. And and then that kind of carried into just trying out all sorts of different non-alcoholic beers. And And, you know, I'd say for the first, like, two years of not drinking, I was into that. And then I kind of just was like... I still like will enjoy a non alcoholic beer now and then, but I'm not that uh, that, that obsessed with it anymore.
2: <laughs> Are you more of a, a soft drinks guy or a tea guy?
1: I drink uh, a lot of iced tea. I feel like that's like um an Americ a very American yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, I drink a lot of iced tea.
2: Is that more of an LA thing or a Florida thing? Or where does that kind of come from culturally in the States?
1: I don't know. I, I, I just know that I I was drinking a lot of iced coffee. And then at a certain point, I was like, I feel like I'm going to have a fucking heart attack <laughs> if I drink all uh, coffee all the time. And then I switched to tea and then I, you know, I still get the caffeine, but I'm not as I don't have that f- like flaming ball of fire in my chest.
2: It takes I find it takes quite a lot of coffee to kind of get that buzz going, though. Or is it iced coffee quite strong?
1: I would say, like, the iced coffee from, like, Starbucks or, like, any coffee shop around here, they, like, infuse it with whatever. Like, you know, they have all these kind of, like, nitro coffee and all this kind of stuff that's just, like, for me, like, it just, it really affects me. Like, I I, I often think about, like, how I... You know, when I was, like, in my early 20s, I would, like, drink Red Bull all the time, and mm. e- the, the, just the thought of drinking a Red Bull now gives me, a, like, a anxiety. <laughs> it's too sweet. It's so sweet, but it also, like, just, it. I don't want to feel like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird kind of artificial, chemically buzz. Yeah. Something very <laughs> unorganic about it. Yeah. When, how long back did you move to L.A.? Uh,
1: We've lived here for like five years, I think. Uh, 2016, yeah, so, so coming up on five years.
2: When did it start to feel like home?
1: I'd say like a year in. When we first moved, I was kind of suspicious of it, and I was not really enjoying myself, and I had a hard time kind of getting into my routine or creative routine. And I really can't pinpoint what happened, but I... I just remember leaving and going on tour and then coming home and something. And I had done this a few times since we lived in L.A., but I left and came back one time. And the time that time I came back, it, it was like, oh, this is where I live. This is my home. And, and I don't know. Since then, everything's been, I've, I love it. Was the songwriting
2: during that kind of year-long transitional period when you were kind of maybe sometimes struggling to get into that creative routine? was it quite different to the stuff that you write when you're in a
1: period of kind of steadiness that's that's a good question it's hard to say i think it was i was just less productive essentially so there was just less songs because you know i was still getting used to the space and it was we were in a different situation than i was used to like when when we first moved here we lived in a studio apartment which was just basically one room so it was my wife and i and she was going to work every day but still like it was hard to separate, you know, when you have when you live in one room and it's like it's, it's hard to I, I don't know. It was it was hard for me to separate like, you know, time to work, time to relax, time to, you know, do whatever. Is that
2: kind of what the main lapse was touching upon? You know, where you're saying there that she would go to work and you would kind of be stuck in the apartment and kind of be a little bit chittery and unable to get into a flow state.
1: Um, a little bit. I mean, I wrote that song once we had already, once we had moved to where we live now, which is kind of just like a a house where we have, you know, space and I have my little studio and everything. That song kind of came from my wife's father passed away two years ago at this point. And, you know, she had been working at the same job that was a, a good job that, you know, definitely paid the bills for her and you know was very steady uh but she was just really unhappy and once her dad died i think it kind of put into perspective like how she just didn't want to be doing something that she didn't want to do anymore you know that song is kind of about the conversations her and i would have leading up to that i think that that's that's where that song really comes from and and of course then there's my own self-reflection within that and thinking of of my place in her life and what it means to be a, a partner. Do you feel more
2: free as a result of what you do for a living and working in the creative industry and making your living from expressing yourself?
1: I, I feel free. I don't know. Uh, I don't have anything, you know, other than, you know, watching somebody else's experience. I don't have anything to compare it to because I've basically always had a, a life like this, but it, I will say like it, it, the past maybe six years of, of my life in, in making music and art, like six years ago is when I was able to only do this, you know, for a living. There's definitely a great freedom in that, like just not having to work somewhere else. Uh, and, you know put your time somewhere where you don't where it's not contributing to your art necessarily but at the same time like there are other challenges involved in you know self discipline and you know uh, just making sure you stay on top of yourself when you're your own boss and when the you know quote unquote product you create is just dependent on your mood basically <laughs> <laughs> Are
2: you more disciplined now than you were six years ago, when you first became full time?
1: That's a good question. In some ways, I am. I'd say six years ago I was more like willing to kind of like dive headfirst into things and kind of not worry about the consequences of. I feel like I was more w- willing to take risks back then, but I feel now I am smarter about the risks I take. And I, st- you know, I still feel like I take risks, but I am not. I've just learned, I've, you know, I've learned in the past six years a lot about myself and the, the stuff I create and what works and what doesn't work for me. And, uh, you know, I'm always learning, but I feel like I'm just kind of tuning an instrument to work better for myself.
2: Were... Are there any particular experiences that kind of led to that, perhaps being slightly more cautious about the risks that you take?
1: Not really. I, I've never. I've you know. I have not had any big like catastrophic failures or anything. It's all just like little little failures and little successes along the way that kind of inform your decision making, like like anybody in any position on earth. Yeah. I, I you know, I, and, and I kind of monitor it in terms of like periods of time where i will become depressed and kind of try to think about why did i become why did why did this period of time like uh activate more depression or anxiety in me and what can i do to counteract that try to find a balance and uh stay on top of the mind is there always an answer there's never a clear answer. There, there, there could always be an answer, but it's hard to find, and it, it, it's often perhaps even unknowable. So does that even mean that there's an answer? I don't know.
2: <laughs> can, can music ever
1: play any role in getting to the answer with the kind of intense self-reflection that it prompts? I think, I think so, definitely. In, in periods of of writing songs, I, I definitely, I would say I feel a little bit more, I guess, emotional for for lack of a word I can't find. I, I feel more in tune with my emotions or, or, or apt to be, or susceptible to be, you know, kind of emotional feeling when I'm doing stuff like that. And a lot of the times the way I'll write is just kind of, You know, every day, go outside with a guitar. Earlier in the morning, the better. And then just kind of play guitar and just sing some stuff and try to find words that match with what I'm singing and then listen to what I'm saying and then write that down and try to chase whatever kind of just came out of my mouth and try to form it into a story or a song and supplement that with like you know notes i have on my phone that i will just take you know throughout walking around life and try to match those things up and where they fit and where they apply even just doing that like you kind of realize ways realize that that certain things make you feel a way that you hadn't realized or certain situations that you've lived through you you just find new new meaning and new uh, a new perspective in those in in those moments.
2: When you're looking through, you know, the notes on your phone to find stuff that kind of lines up with what you've come up with that morning. What are you looking for in those notes that kind of corresponds with what you've just created?
1: Something that matches the tone. Oftentimes, I will just be looking for something that matches kind of the meter of what I'm singing and seeing if if that will evoke anything like. Even if it's, like, something that doesn't seem to be coherently related, like, story-wise or narrative-wise, I will still try to, like, find that and, and just see what it feels like. And, you know, oftentimes it will lead me to altering that lyric or or that line to to make sense. I'll also do that with, with like, I have like a bunch of little poetry books and I will kind of just like flip through it and just like find a line in there and just like sing it. And then, you know, by the time a song is done, like that line is, if it's in there, it's, you know, it's contextualized in a totally different way and kind of just changes it. It's it's usually just like a jumping off point or just a getting your mind to think in a different way, you know?
2: yeah trying to spark something yeah is that poetry that you've written or that other people have
1: it's uh, it's other people yeah and i should say i don't like i'm not like just lifting you know poems for my songs i'm just (laughs) you know using like more so like imagery and meter type type ideas
2: is that a similar thing like in the way that a melody might spark lyrical ideas yeah for sure Yeah. Do you tend to find that the words, if it's if a song germinates from, you know, the poetry, as opposed to if a song germinates from melody, do they tend to differ as a result of that? Do they kind of, did they prompt different things? It's so hard
1: to, to say. It's so hard to tell, like, you know, I've written so many songs, and every time I write a song, I have no idea how I did it. Like, you know, I can kind of try to analyze, like, what happened, but, like, even trying to like replicate like situations where you felt like you were like in a state of flow or writing your best songs, it's like it's just it's such a mystical thing like it's so hard to to describe and 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 tell like I want to say that like songs that that come from a melody or like ideas that start with a melody tend to be better in general but then i i think but it doesn't really matter if i can't think of lyrics and and it always seems so i guess i'm i'm about to say the opposite i just said like if i can't if i if i don't have the right lyrics it's just kind of meaningless to me and i and it's unlikely i'll even show it to somebody which is you know
2: the lyrics are the emotional compass kind of the spine of it
1: right and and that's what kind of the lyrics definitely are the thing that that will make me more likely to be like oh this is a good song and this is this will go somewhere like i've definitely have some songs that i feel like the melodies are really good but the lyrics are uh, like i just don't relate to them and you know these are mostly unreleased songs but i can think of maybe a few that i have released that i listen to and i'm like what i don't really know what i'm talking about did you feel that in the moment when you initially released it? Probably in some, in, in some instances, like, in, and in some instances, it's not even, a, it doesn't have to be, I'm kind of spinning it in a negative way. Like I'm like th- peddling out something that I don't believe in, but like, there's also, there's, I guess the positive side of it, like I, there's a song on my record, Born Hot, that's called Surrender that to me, the lyrics don't make any sense, but I can tell that they mean something but I don't know what they mean but it's clear to me that they mean something but I can't decipher what what they mean it's it's just a puzzling situation and and that's a song that I really like and that um I you know I play it live when I play shows and it, of the songs on that record that is one of the songs that people seem to point out uh, one of you know of five or six songs probably
2: I wonder if it'll come to mean something to you again in the future. Like if it meant something when you wrote it, maybe you'll go through a period when you don't quite resonate it, but in two years or so something might happen and suddenly it'll come. Yeah,
1: Totally. Yeah. 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 That's why when I'm writing, I try, I really try not to edit myself in the moment because I, I have such a intense amount of self doubt when I'm writing and I'm, I spend a lot of time going. I'm okay. I'm gonna start writing songs again. I'm gonna write a song every day, starting you know this day, and I will kind of say that for like three months before I'm able to actually start because I'm just so terrified of writing songs, and it it's such a it's such a huge mental undertaking for me because it's something that I care so much about, and I my identity is so tied to that if I'm bad at it then it you know it it it's it's in some ways like debilitating like it, it can send me into very very deep depression like especially like at the times where i start where i like start writing blocks of time like 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 for instance say like in february i'm gonna write a song every day like for the first two weeks of february i'm gonna be a wreck because i'm just going to be working through shitty songs <laughs> and And as somebody who is a songwriter and identifies like mostly as a songwriter, writing shitty songs for two weeks, just kind of makes you feel like shit. But I've also found that it is necessary to get to the good songs.
2: Is part of that a result of putting yourself in such a deep kind of emotional space that good stuff then comes out? Because I imagine you're in quite a different headspace two weeks into that than you are compared to, you know, day one.
1: You know that's that's very possible. Yeah, I I never really thought of it like that. Like thinking of it in terms of I am you know making myself more uh, vulnerable by exploring my own feelings in general. I, I I guess that probably exacerbates like the anxiety and depression, if anything, that that kind of uh, culminates around those first first like chunk of time writing songs
2: do you feel more self-doubt after those two weeks than you do
1: at the start generally no i i would say i would say around two or three weeks there's like a breakthrough where i start to recognize patterns in what i've been writing and can kind of start honing in on on a general idea or a general direction that the songs feel like they're heading or the good ones are heading and what i want to what i want to focus on more and that that is generally when i will start actually kind of getting excited about writing and start to feel a little more creative and more playful with the process the process takes
2: like a slightly different energy at that point
1: yeah that it, it it definitely takes you know anywhere between two weeks and a month to just get to the point where it feels good (laughs) is it easier to write
2: songs deeper into the process then once it's kind of started to take shape in that way and you can pick the threads out and see where it's going
1: oh yeah It, it once i mean the best inspiration i think somebody else has said this but the best inspiration for songwriting is songwriting like it just it it feels like momentum like when you write a song even if it's bad and even in those times of that self-doubt and everything, like the first two weeks or whatever, like just writing a song, like it, 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 it feels motivating, and it, and it for me, it like motivates me to write another song, because there's kind of like an exhilaration behind like just being like, oh, I did it. I wrote a song. Like, it's not great, but I, I did it." And hearing how that song sounds, "I know I can do better," or "I know I can do." different and I will write another song. How long can you go without writing? I wish I couldn't go very long, but I I I tend to I would say probably like 4 or 5 months the time will pass sometimes where I won't write a song. I would love to be the type of person that would continue to write kind of all the time or have or, or consistency and just like Writing a song every week or something like that. But I, I tend to get, well, like when you make a record, you kind of get sucked in, up into like after you make the record, then now you're making the artwork and now you're working on the marketing plans and all that kind of stuff. And I put a lot of my creative energy into those kind of things as well. Maybe it's an excuse or maybe it's a real thing, but like it just, you just don't feel like you have time to work on another creative thing while, while you're doing that, you know? And then, you know, in the times when I would tour and stuff like that, like, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever written a song on tour, so.
2: It's almost like different sides to your creativity, different phases of it.
1: Yeah, it's like different modes. It's just like different states of mind that you have to kind of, that I have to put myself in to, to, to feel like I am fully committing to each aspect of it almost
2: which of the modes are you happiest in?
1: that the, there are terrible parts of all of them but i'm trying to think of which one i am happiest <laughs> in uh I, I guess i am happiest when i am on tour and when i am performing i feel the least amount of anxiety when i am on tour and when i am like performing live i feel the most amount of anxiety when i am writing music the feeling and the the level of gratification and like satisfaction i i get from kind of writing a song that i like is incomparable like there's nothing better than that
2: can you recall the first time you wrote a song that you were genuinely happy with
1: yeah it was you know it was very very long time ago um you know i don't remember much about the song but i i just remember feeling like I made a thing that sounded like the things I liked, you know, and that was just such an exciting feeling.
2: Is that feeling different then compared to, you know, say for the last record, the first time you write a song during the process of that that you're happy with?
1: I would say essentially there's nothing different. I think there's more tied into it because there's there's always a nagging feeling in the back of my head that like I'm going to fail and not, not be able to you know, deliver on, on the promise of my identity, essentially. <laughs> uh, I, I would say it's essentially the same, except now that when I write a song I like, there is a, a, a level of relief that was not there when I started.
2: What was the, the first song during the process for this new record that you were happy with?
1: I think it was the, the last song on the record, Credits. Interesting. Um, yeah, which is definitely, it's a, actually kind of a totally different vibe than the rest of the record. I just remember thinking like, oh, that's that's a very cool vibe. In some ways, you know, to me, I think it kind of informed the songs, but, it, you know, maybe not so much sonically, but like uh, lyrically, it did. Um, the songs too dark and... Um, Flor, Florowit de Maga, or whatever. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce my own song. <laughs> those I remember those, those were both really early on songs as well. Kind of some of the
2: ones towards the tail end of the record. They're all yeah. in the second half, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that is. That's interesting. When it comes to sequencing a record, I am so uh, emotionally burned out that I, I have um, Jeff sequence my record for me <laughs> <laughs> i make him choose the the track order he's done that i think he did that for, yeah he did that for can't die and born hot
2: when you get the perspective you know a few months down the line when you're a little bit less burned out do you tend to always agree spot on and think yeah that was the right move, or do you sometimes think maybe i would just switch these ones around a little bit
1: no yeah no i always just agree like i never really even in the moment when I, when I will like see the first time he like sends it over to me and like, and he, every time he does it, he never expects me to actually do exactly what he says. But I, I just, I don't even think about it. I just like see it and I go, I like look at it and I, I'll be like surprised at some things, but there's never been anything where I'm like, what? And then, you know, I mean, and that's why I have him do it because, you know, I, obviously I trust him very, very much creatively.
2: I mean, credits is a pretty, natural closer on that one it feels for like, sure yeah. yeah it's an interesting one though because although it has this kind of emotional heft and dramatic edge to it it's not really like a massive climax it's quite subdued but it still has yeah. that weight to it
1: yeah yeah I, that's really interesting to me like that i mean not my song but th- that idea is really interesting to me there's a nick cave record uh push the sky away that the whole record is really subdued but really emotionally heavy and very epic feeling but it is it kind of stays at a at a pretty subdued level for the most part most of the time and I, I just thought that was such an interesting style because you know coming from the world i come from and like playing in bands and stuff like if you want to make a, an epic statement you're you're fucking rocking out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I was just thinking about that, that concept and, and how to, how to, you know, make a big epic statement or, a, or not, not big, but a, but a, but a, an emotionally, yeah, I guess a big emotional statement without, without having, um, explosions.
2: Yeah. It's a summation of, it's it's interesting that that was written first because it feels like a summation of all the kind of themes and ideas that came before it on the record, especially like the emotional palette of it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, definitely there's, there's like, in the song, there is kind of a callback to the first song, and that came later. I, that kind of was in, in, interpreted later. But that kind of makes sense because, to me, like, it it's kind of summing everything up, but it was kind of just a, a way of being like, Of me identifying that I had all these feelings about these different things or this one thing or whatever and and kind of looking at that song and going, like, you know, where did this come from? What what are the what is the story what is the like the story of this song and kind of writing other songs to kind of uh hold it up?
2: I mean, one of the themes that kind of seems to stand out, or one of the strands that emerges is this idea of self-worth yeah has the way that you kind of measure and judge yourself worth changed as you've gotten older
1: yeah i i hope so i mean i think i think it has a, a bit like in a, in a, all the pretty standard ways like i definitely ca- don't care as much what people think about me i feel more self-assured in my tastes and my uh instincts a, a bit and then, and i and i kind of start to recognize Maybe the the, the self doubt has changed, or maybe the self doubt has always been the same thing. In that, the self doubt kind of comes from a drive to make something really good, as opposed to like a, a fear of being ridiculed. You know?
2: Yeah, that's quite that's a nicely positive way to look at it.
1: I hope. I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Does
2: the self doubt ever go away? No, oh, no,
1: no, I've, I would say since I was, it's so interesting because I, I look back at my like early 20s, I, I, I feel like I'd never even felt any doubt <laughs> <laughs> until I was like 25 and now I'm 34. uh, But once it came, it came hard. That must have changed your songwriting though pretty prominently because like now we're saying you
2: know, it's one of the main themes of it. And the way you express yourself in your music, or
1: for sure, yeah,
2: yeah. Were you conscious of that at the time, or was it something that happened without you knowing?
1: It was definitely something that kind of was gradually changing in me, going through life, and you know, you know, this is a very small scale tra- trauma, but like I was, I had a band that I, had, you know, dedicated my life to, uh, that kind of broke up essentially, and it kind of deteriorated. That was really hard for me and it was kind of it started to change the way i thought of myself and the way i would write and it it it, it took me to like a very deep deep self-reflective period of time that i think has kind of stuck with me for better and for worse
2: is that the event in your life that has kind of shaped you the most as who you are today i
1: would i would say it, it, essentially yeah yeah like just the just the, the 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 feeling of kind of having something that meant so much to me go away but then still i continued on and 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 found a new version of my life to live that turned out to be so much better than I could have ever imagined and thinking about how much fear I felt about that band ending and how I can't even imagine. I was just so grateful that it did, you know?
2: (laughs) It's interesting how like periods of intense creativity or intense creative growth often seem to come out of fear.
1: Oh, yeah. Fear is huge.
2: I mean, it's interesting as well, you know, what we're speaking about there, In regards to that band ending, because when we think about, you know, like the cliche of the rock and roll musician, it's someone with this big ego. But if you spend 10 years trying to push a band like that and then it fizzles out in the way it does, that must kind of eradicate any ego. Like you must be, that's kind of gone completely.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways, for sure. Like everybody's ego manifests itself in different ways. Like, I think there is definitely some. There's always going to be ego involved in in everything everybody does. But uh, yeah, I mean, for sure that you know, the the situation of like you know having a band fail is a weird word for it. But I think ha- having a band, I guess, implies
2: that nothing was gained, whereas you did gain a lot from it
1: for for sure. And and you know, it was it felt, to me the the band situation felt more like a failure. On the part of all of us in the band, more than the band itself, <laughs> you know like we didn't we weren't we were no longer able to serve the the company <laughs> or whatever
2: I mean, did you ever foresee the band ending? Was it ever something that came into your mind, or was it no, no, makes it a lot harder
1: yeah, of course, yeah, but again, like now i'm like after the the heartbreak of it it's it started to feel very uh liberating and freeing once once i was kind of on the other end of it and started to enjoy making music again and and finding some success creatively uh you know then it's then i was i just felt very lucky did move into
2: la help you know, kind of immersing yourself in a new environment.
1: I'd say yes, because it it was definitely not that long after, and there was definitely a part of me that was staying in Florida because I was like, "Well, the this is where the band is based. Like, I can't leave here." Moving to Florida or moving to LA definitely became, like, you know, another signifier that I was I was starting a new chapter of my life. You know,
2: it's funny how you you know you grew up in Florida and you've got hurricanes kind of looming Mm. over you. And then you move to LA and suddenly you've got wildfires and earthquakes. and I know. From one region of intense uh, climate weather to another.
1: I know, it's ridiculous. So it's so interesting because when I lived in Florida, I never really felt that afraid of hurricanes. You know, I was always like, anytime a hurricane came, I was young enough to kind of not really think about like, you know I wasn't a homeowner or anything so I wasn't worried that I was going to like lose any money <laughs> so I was kind of just like it was always kind of just like a fun thing like ooh we're we're you know hunkering down uh that's kind of just a weird side note about me and hurricanes <laughs> and then but now here in LA I have still yet to feel an earthquake and they have happened since I've been here but I think I am I have either been on tour or am just uh, too aloof <laughs> to notice the world crumbling around me.
2: There's supposed to be a big one coming, isn't there?
1: That's I mean, saying. they th- that's, that's what they have always said. And hey, they're probably right, but, you know, what am I going to do? It's I'm like Yellowstone. Gonna... Yeah.
2: America seems to have quite a lot of um, <laughs> impending yeah. natural disasters. Yep. Yep. Did, did you get lost in a LA late just after you moved there? I'm thinking of search for me on a new record.
1: Ah, yes, yes. That's definitely more of a uh, inside my mind kind of lost. Yeah, I've definitely did not. I, uh, you know, it's hard to get lost with these my precious iPhone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when was the last time you were lost, just in general, in the world?
1: The only thing I can remember is I was in Amsterdam on tour, you know, very long time ago with my old band and two, three of us took mushrooms and were walking around Amsterdam. And this was like, there were cell phones, but it was not like you could very easily like find yourself. Uh, there was no like pins or anything. Um And so, and we were on drugs, mushrooms. So (laughs) I just remember wandering around for hours with my two friends on mushrooms and we had no idea where we were. We were just wandering around and eventually we were in front of the house we were staying at. I will never understand how that happened, but I'm sure there is a reasonable explanation for it because... (laughs) But uh, yeah, that, that's the last time I can remember being truly lost. Uh, oh, oh, actually, I was in Australia a few years after that, or actually well, many years after that, a few years ago. And I didn't have cell phone service and I took a walk away from the venue and I couldn't figure out how to get back. I did remember that, the, that above the venue, I saw a, a plane fly overhead. So I just waited for another plane, and then I followed the path of the plane (laughs) and eventually found my way back to the venue. That's
2: impressive. That's some Sherlock Holmes shit.
1: Yeah, it was like a plane like kind of like landing. So I knew that there was – it was like a low plane. So I was like, okay, so obviously like, this will lead me to where I need to go.
2: I wanted to ask about the billboard as well. Yeah. Up in LA, how did that manifest itself? Was that a lifelong dream to be on a billboard?
1: Um, I guess so. Like, I you know, definitely not like a. I, I don't think I had ever written down. I didn't have like a vision board or anything that I wanted a billboard. Yeah, that kind of just came about when with Polyvinyl. I so I signed a Polyvinyl for for Born Hot, and we just started talking about you know plans for the record and what can we do. And I threw out like the idea of a a billboard, kind of half joking because I was like, I, you know, I I was like, this will not happen, but what it would be funny. And then they were receptive to it, and then we kind of started talking more about it and like what the idea behind it would be, and like and you know having fun with it more than anything because that that had to kind of be the key. And then like once it started to really like kick into gear and I was like, oh, this is actually maybe going to happen. I started kind of getting scared and I was like, kind of like, we don't have to do this. Like, this is kind (laughs) of like, it's so funny. Like when I'm faced with these moments of like, maybe just a little bit more exposure than I am used to, I start to kind of, uh, walk it back. But I'm, I'm glad that they, they convinced me to like go through with it.
2: Does that ever happen with albums as well, or music, when you kind of finish something and it's ready to go out and then you start to, the self-doubt starts to creep in a little bit?
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, you have these, you know, kind of, sometimes I'll have, like, these ideas that, you know, to me might feel like big swings or, like, you know, kind of more ambitious than, you know, consider myself to be or, or view myself as, and then I will start to think, like, oh, no, like is this going to work? Like, how is this going to come across? Like, am I going to like, am I going to undo something about what I've created in the past? You know, all these kind of like huge, huge, like fears that like are, don't even register as a, as a, as a blip on other people's radars, you know?
2: Does that, at what point does that leave you during, during the process of the record coming out and stuff?
1: I would say it it, it, yeah, once the record is out and either people say they like it or nobody even like kind of mentions the thing I'm afraid of, you know, or, or like, you know, f- the, the fear doesn't manifest and it, it's kind of proven to be like something I had created.
2: Do you have any kind of means of creation or expression in an artistic way that are completely free from that? Do they just feel like a free kind of creative space that you don't have to put pressure on yourself or worry about anything?
1: the art stuff started as that and then i you know turned it into another thing to freak out about (laughs) i think i I worry that anything i any creative thing i do i will you know if it feels ingrained in me somehow that like to seek approval for the thing after i make it from other people and then that turns into turning it into like a fucking marketplace or something invariably uh you know the the podcast I have with Jeff that, that is kind of like a extremely bad podcast that like is almost kind of nonsense and like kind of hinges on on a on a central theme but barely. That is one of the things that like I feel a lot of pride in because it is just something that uh, we both care about yet put almost no effort into and have never tried to make successful in any way. Like, we we have never monetized it in any way, like, never, like, never done any of the things that, like, a good podcast should do or, like, a serious <laughs> podcast should do, and it is, like, one of those things that is just truly feels like it is just for fun.
2: It's funny how that often happens, though, with things. You know, when you completely let go and just stop caring, it, then people resonate with it, and it takes on.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is definitely how... I mean, that's kind of what Antarctica Vespucci is with Jeff, too. Like, a thing that kind of point of it is just to do it when it feels fun and good and, like, have a good time doing it. I mean, you know, Antarctica Vespucci, we, we have never had a Twitter or a Facebook or anything. Our name is Antarctica Vespucci. <laughs> like, there's so much going against it. And yet, like, that band, like, we were playing big headline shows way before i was myself you know like it definitely resonates with people in a way and it's so exciting that it does because it's it's something that is born purely out of like friendship and and love and just fun